Greetings, friends. Today is November 17th. This is the One Year Bible Tour Guide, and I hope to be an encouragement to your soul as we read through each day's portion from the Old and New Testaments and make our way through the whole counsel of God, all 66 books of the Holy Scriptures. And I'll be happy to point out highlights you want to be sure not to miss and help you navigate through some of the more unfamiliar territory. We are reading through the book of Ezekiel, and in the midst of all these strong warnings, there is the promise of God's mercy in a new covenant. We will read about the cleansing and the gift of the Spirit that makes it possible for us to be born again. Yes, this is a prophecy in the Old Testament that Jesus spoke about in John chapter 3, that those of us who were born with hearts that were rebellious stones resistant to God's will through repentance and faith can be made new and receive the promise of the indwelling Spirit of Christ. We also will be starting the book of James today, written by the half-brother of Jesus, who was converted after Jesus' resurrection. So let's get started with the Old Testament book of Ezekiel as he prophesies against Edom, otherwise known as Mount Seir. Ezekiel 35 is where we are, starting with verse 1. Prophecy against Mount Seir. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, set your face against Mount Seir, and prophesy against it, and say to it, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, Mount Seir, and I will stretch out my hand against you, and I will make you a desolation and a waste. I will lay your cities waste, and you shall become a desolation, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Because you cherished perpetual enmity and gave over the people of Israel to the power of the sword at the time of their calamity, at the time of their final punishment, therefore, as I live, declares the Lord God, I will prepare you for blood, and blood shall pursue you, because you did not hate bloodshed, therefore blood shall pursue you. I will make Mount Seir a waste and a desolation, and I will cut off from it all who come and go and I will fill its mountains with the slain. On your hills and in your valleys and in all your ravines, those slain with the sword shall fall. I will make you a perpetual desolation, and your cities shall not be inhabited. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Because you said, These two nations and these two countries shall be mine, and we will take possession of them, although the Lord was there, Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord God, I will deal with you according to the anger and envy that you showed because of your hatred against them, and I will make myself known among them when I judge you, and you shall know that I am the Lord. I have heard all the revilings that you uttered against the mountains of Israel, saying, They are laid desolate, they are given us to devour. And you magnified yourselves against me with your mouth, and multiplied your words against me. I heard it. Thus says the Lord God, While the whole earth rejoices, I will make you desolate. As you rejoiced over the inheritance of the house of Israel, because it was desolate, so I will deal with you. You shall be desolate, Mount Seir, and all Edom, all of it. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Chapter 36 Prophecy to the Mountains of Israel And you, son of man, Prophesy to the mountains of Israel, and say, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Because the enemy said of you, Aha, and the ancient heights have become our possession, therefore prophesy, and say, Thus says the Lord God, 
precisely because they made you desolate and crushed you from all sides, so that you became the possession of the rest of the nations, and you became the talk and evil gossip of the people. Therefore, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains and the hills, the ravines and the valleys, the desolate wastes and the deserted cities, which have become a prey and derision to the rest of the nations all around. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Surely I have spoken in my hot jealousy against the rest of the nations and against all Edom, who gave my land to themselves as a possession, with wholehearted joy and utter contempt, that they might make its pasture lands a prey. Therefore prophesy concerning the land of Israel, and say to the mountains and hills, to the ravines and valleys, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I have spoken in my jealous wrath, because you have suffered the reproach of the nations. Therefore thus says the Lord God, I swear that the nations that are all around you shall themselves suffer reproach. But you, O mountains of Israel, shall shoot forth your branches, and yield your fruit to my people Israel for they will soon come home. For behold, I am for you, and I will turn to you, and you shall be tilled and sown. And I will multiply people on you, the whole house of Israel, all of it. The cities shall be inhabited, and the waste places rebuilt. And I will multiply on you man and beast, and they shall multiply and be fruitful. And I will cause you to be inhabited as in your former times, and will do more good to you than ever before then you will know that I am the Lord. I will let people walk on you, even my people Israel, and they shall possess you, and you shall be their inheritance, and you shall no longer bereave them of children. Thus says the Lord God, Because they say to you, You devour people, and you bereave your nation of children, therefore you shall no longer devour people, and no longer bereave your nation of children, declares the Lord God and I will not let you hear any more the reproach of the nations, and you shall no longer bear the disgrace of the peoples, and no longer cause your nation to stumble, declares the Lord God. The Lord's Concern for His Holy Name The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, when the house of Israel lived in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and their deeds. Their ways before me were like the uncleanness of a woman in her menstrual impurity. So I poured out my wrath upon them for the blood that they had shed in the land, for the idols with which they had defiled it. I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed through the countries. In accordance with their ways and their deeds I judged them. But when they came to the nations, wherever they came, they profaned my holy name, in that people said of them, These are the people of the Lord, and yet they had to go out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. I will put my spirit within you. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations, and gather you from all the countries, and bring you into your own land. 
I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. And I will deliver you from all your uncleannesses, and I will summon the grain, and make it abundant, and lay no famine upon you. And I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant, that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord God. Let that be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, On the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited, and the waste places shall be rebuilt. And the land that was desolate shall be tilled, instead of being the desolation that was in the sight of all who passed by. And they will say, This land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden, and the waste and desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it. Thus says the Lord God, This also I will let the house of Israel ask me to do for them, to increase their people like a flock like the flock for sacrifices, like the flock at Jerusalem during her appointed feasts, so shall the waste cities be filled with flocks of people. Then they will know that I am the Lord. And this concludes today's reading from the Old Testament from the book of Ezekiel. Let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we just read. Ezekiel chapter 35 contains another prophecy against Edom, that is, Mount Seir. The first was found in Ezekiel chapter 25, verses 12 through 14. The mountain of Seir in Ezekiel 35, verse 2, is contrasted with the mountains of Judah in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 1 through 15. There is a long history of Edom's hostility toward the Jews. Some believe that Ezekiel is using Edom as a representative of all the nations that oppose God's people. The Lord has heard all the contemptible things that the enemies of the Jews have said against the mountains of Israel. Ezekiel chapter 35 verse 12. Because Edom rejoiced in the destruction of Jerusalem, the Lord promises their demise. Ezekiel chapter 35 verse 9. I will make you an everlasting destruction and your cities will not be inhabited. Then you will know that I am the Lord. In Ezekiel chapter 35 verse 15 we read, as you rejoiced over the inheritance of the house of Israel because it was desolate, so I will do to you. You will be a desolation, O Mount Seir, and all Edom, all of it. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Whereas Edom is to be made a desolate waste, Israel will be restored. God's people will return to the land, and the Lord will save them for his namesake. But you, O mountains of Israel, 
you will put forth your branches and bear your fruit for my people Israel, for they will soon come. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 8. We hear the promises of a new covenant. For I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers. So you will be my people and I will be your God. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 24 through 28. His goodness should provoke repentance. I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the produce of the field, so that you will not receive again the disgrace of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 30 and 31. These prophecies hint to a greater fulfillment beyond the return of the exiles, to a return to a state similar to the Garden of Eden, that is, the kingdom of God. They will say, This desolate land has become like the Garden of Eden, and the waste, desolate and ruined cities are fortified and inhabited. Ezekiel 36, verse 35. And now it's time to move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour. We go to the New Testament with a new book today, the book of James. And we will start with James chapter 1, verse 1, and read through to verse 18. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation, because, like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits." Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will 
He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. And this concludes our reading from today's New Testament portion from the first chapter of the book of James. The epistle of James is one of the earliest epistles that we have in the New Testament, written by James, a leader of the church in Jerusalem, in Acts chapter 12, verse 17, and chapter 15, verse 13, sometime around 50 A.D. This is not the Apostle James, the brother of John. This is James, who was the half-brother of our Lord Jesus, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 19, who was not converted until after the resurrection, in John's Gospel chapter 7, verse 5, and 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 7. James does not claim special authority or privilege by being related to Jesus. They had the same mother, Mary, but different fathers. Jesus was the son of God. James was the son of Joseph. He writes the twelve tribes of Israel dispersed. He is possibly referring to those tribes that are being scattered among the Gentiles, referred to in John chapter 7, verse 35. The Jews then said to one another, Where does this man intend to go, that we will not find him? He is not intending to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks, is he? John chapter 7, verse 35. Or it could possibly refer to the dispersion of the Jewish Christians from the twelve tribes scattered from the Jerusalem church after the persecution of Stephen, in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, and chapter 11, verse 19. Either way, James is making an appeal to Jewish believers and Gentile proselytes still meeting in synagogues or homes. Some commentators give the date of this writing as early as 45 A.D. There are about 30 references to themes that Jesus spoke about in his Sermon on the Mount. Christ's teaching had been passed on orally and would not be put officially in writing by the evangelists Matthew, Mark, and Luke until sometime after James writes his epistle. Although some commentators describe this letter as wisdom literature, giving random instructions for Christian living, it gives evidence as being a pastoral epistle, expressing James' pastoral concern for the Christian assembly. He wants to be sure that those who profess faith in Christ actually possess faith in Christ. He does not want them to be deceived into thinking that they are Christians when they do not have a genuine saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. James chapter 1, verse 16. He warns of self-deception in which people assent to a Christian creed without a personal response of committed trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. In James chapter 1, verse 22, we read, But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. He further explains that if a professing believer can give no evidence of a life change, such as in his or her attitudes, speech, behavior, and to relationship to sin, the world system, and other people, their claim to be saved is not justified before men. You see that a man is justified before men by works and not by a claim of faith alone. The words in italics are mine to put the verses in the context of James' argument. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. James chapter 2 verse 26. James underscores his pastoral letter with an appeal to the entire congregation to not only examine themselves to see if they themselves are in the faith, but to reach out to those who have been self-deceived and turn them to the truth of the gospel. In James chapter 5 verses 19 and 20, James had an up-close and personal experience of the Lord Jesus. 
he observed his sinless behavior. When people professed identification with Christ, yet lacked any semblance of Christ-like behavior, James could readily reprove them. James chapter 1 deals with the problem of temptation and trials. All believers experience trials and temptations. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. How we respond to both trials and temptations is a test in itself. Are we willing to trust God? Are we ready to take responsibility and not blame God for our problems? Can we wait patiently for God's provision for heavenly wisdom, for communion with His Word and Spirit as a way of escape from temptation? Are we willing to trust Him for the grace to endure? We can be confident that He uses trials and temptations to conform us to the image of His Son. What should we do if we are baffled in the trial? Ask God for wisdom. Let Him feed your mind with Scripture. Jesus faced the tempter in the wilderness with the two-edged sword of God's Word. What does James mean when he speaks about asking God for wisdom in faith? He admonished them to receive God's counsel with the intention to carry it out. He addresses the double-mindedness of those who ask God for wisdom, but doubt that it is worth implementing when they receive it. These are the hearers who balk at being doers of the Word. He who endures trials, dignifying them with a godly response of trust in God, will be blessed by Him, receiving the crown of life. God's good and perfect gift is His gift of life in Christ Jesus. He brought us forth by the word of truth, the gospel, in James chapter 1, verse 18. The result of saving faith will be evidence of an expression of His life that is the fruit of the Spirit, reproduced in us, so all creation looking at us would see what God is like. Now we move on to the book of Psalms, Psalm 116, and reading Psalm 116 is Steve St. Laurent. Psalm 116, I love the Lord. I love the Lord because He has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because He inclined His ear to me. Therefore, I will call on Him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pains of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. 
I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Stephen. Psalm 116 is a personal psalm of thanksgiving. The Lord has shown us his covenant blessings. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. It is said grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. The psalmist was apparently at death's door in verse 2 and verse 8, and God delivered him. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? In Psalm 116, verse 12, the answer, public worship. I shall lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I shall pay my vows to the Lord. Oh, may it be in the presence of all his people. Psalm 116, verses 13 and 14. It is good for us to consider the reality that Jesus has removed death's sting and the grave's victory. For the believer, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. In Psalm 116, verse 15, we read, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. Our arrival in God's presence is something highly esteemed and anticipated in the sight of the Lord. Now, let's walk by faith in the reality of His presence mediated to us through the fellowship of the Word, the Spirit, and the body of Christ. To you shall I offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call upon the name of the Lord. I shall pay my vows to the Lord. O may it be in the presence of all His people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Psalm 116, verses 17 and 19. And for our final stop on today's excursion through the one-year Bible, we are going to the book of Proverbs, the Bible's treasure chest of wisdom, Proverbs chapter 27, verses 23 through 27. Know well the conditions of your flocks, and give attention to your herds, for riches do not last forever, and does a crown endure to all generations? When the grass is gone and the new growth appears and the vegetation of the mountains is gathered, the lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of a field. There will be enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household and maintenance for your girls. It's obvious that this is an important verse for pastors, but it applies to all of us. We need to know our business and be faithful in it for the glory of the Lord working for eternal treasure. Riches here will perish. Those who care well for their flocks and are faithful to perform whatever their God-appointed service may be, doing it as unto the Lord, will have a lasting reward in this life and the life to come. Now let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are so grateful for the new covenant made with your Son, who has fulfilled righteousness on our behalf. Thank you for adopting us and grafting us into the true vine and thereby enabling us to bring forth eternal fruit for your glory by the virtue of the life sap of the Holy Spirit. We stand amazed at your grace for taking away our hearts of stone that had no capacity for righteousness and giving us a new heart, a new life, the indwelling life of your Son, who by the Spirit of holiness enables us to walk in your statutes and to do them. May we not receive your grace in vain. Help us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Be encouraged, pilgrims. We are making progress, and it is wonderful to get the Old Testament vista that Jesus refers to when he teaches in the New Testament and his half-brother James in his epistle. We look forward to continue our reading tomorrow. If you have any questions or comments, you can always write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like a written copy of our commentary on each day's reading, you can go to our website, newlife.org, and subscribe to a daily email. Father, thank you for this time together. How wonderfully you have serviced our minds and our emotions and our will as we have read your word. We pray, Lord, that we would not just be hearers of it, but that we would be doers. Help us to become more like Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen. Shalom.